everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Well, I've got a really cool show for everybody today. I have my guest on the line. I'd like for him to introduce himself. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Dr. Marvin Rosenberg of the Safaris. Uh, we had our big hit, Image of a Girl, which I also wrote. And I'm very uh, honored to be on Jerry's show today. So, hello, Marv. How are you? Okay. I'm here on the West Coast, so it's raining, surprisingly, and uh, but doing very well. Thank you. Okay. Well, it's miserable here in New Jersey, just so you know. So, <laughs> so Marv, you know, I read some of your information, and I think you're incredible. I mean, oh, thank you. You're not just a great singer. You're not just a, a great songwriter. I mean, you're now Dr. Marv, right? That's correct. This is so cool. So, tell me about that. Well, um, you know, after being on tour and traveling and uh, doing shows and so forth, I uh, became very interested in the effects of music on people, so... I wanted to learn more about it. I went back to college and I got my PhD in psychology and uh, have been very, very interested in studies that have been done and what have not been done regarding musical preference and the effects that music has on people. Okay. So it's still all about music, though. Music is in my blood and mm. is always and will always be a part of me. So I kind of put psychology and education together with the love of music. Wow, that's great. Okay, so I want to play a song. Um, China Love. Tell us about that song. Well, uh, after our lead singer had to go and... Uh, and to do some uh, service for our country, we got another lead singer named uh, Les, uh, Lee Forster, and we. Uh, I wrote a song for our group, two songs actually, and um, we went to a record company, and they were very interested in us uh, to put out a record, and so we sang the songs that I had written for them. And one of them was China Love. And they called us the Suddens because it was on Sudden Records. Okay. And uh, so we recorded for them, and that's that's the way it uh, came about. All right, so everybody, China Love. Shining on the sea As they 
song i love it oh thank you i absolutely love it um i appreciate it so i have a question image of a girl okay i mean come on who didn't love that song the whole world knew it the whole world loved it so i read about how you wrote this and why you wrote this song can you tell us about that i'll be glad to um (laughs) i was you know in high school 16 or 17 years old and I was uh, dating this girl who lived with her mom and uh, I loved music so much and our group we got together and you know we'd be rehearsing a lot of the times well one Sunday we were rehearsing all day and afterwards I went to her house and knocked on the door and she looked pretty sad and said look you spend more time on your music than you do spending time with me so which is it? Me or the music? Okay. And I said, oh my God, if you want to, if you want to take away the one thing that I love, you know, you must not love me very much. Of course, we're in high school. So I went in uh, the other bedroom and just plopped on the bed and I was looking up at the ceiling and I was saying, oh my God, why can't I find that perfect girl, that image of a girl? And then I heard this uh, water dripping in the sink. And uh, also this alarm clock that was, you know, ticking back then, those manual ones, it was so loud. And I got a piece of paper and pencil and wrote the song right there. And the funny part about this is that two months later, that girl (laughs) called me up and said her and her mom were moving and they wanted to know if I wanted to buy the bed that I wrote the song in. (laughs) And did you? No. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, they should have given you that bed. Absolutely. (laughs) I still have the uh, little piece of paper, as a matter of fact, that I I wrote the song on. So a lot of memories. And, of course, that's what your audience and uh, us music lovers are all about is the memories. So, you know, I have to play it, baby. So here we go, guys. Image of the Image of a Girl, one of my favorite songs of all time. As I
another song um summer nights tell us about that well summer nights was on the flip side of our second record girl with a story in her eyes and uh, what's interesting about this is that uh, we were leaving for uh to go on tour and we're waiting for the bus to pick us up oh i think it was about an hour and the record company said they wanted us to uh, record this song, which was Girl with a Story in Her Eyes, which was, um, they wanted to be a hit, uh, to be our second release. And so we rushed and, and had to learn that song, and I arranged the vocal backgrounds real quick. And Summer Nights, which my partner and I wrote, we put on the, the backside of it, and uh, then we left on tour, and when we came back, um, <laughs> the, the first song, Girl with a Story in Her Eyes, um, we had to go on TV and, and do the show. We couldn't even remember how the song went. <laughs> but uh, Summer Nights was on the B-side of Girl with a Story in Her Eyes, and, uh, which was written by my partner, Richard Klasky, and myself. And uh, we love it. We, uh, we think it's a great song. Walks in the moonlight, holding hands, and we both did understand. These were ours, our own summer nights. I
So now, Herb Albert? Okay, so you talk about that. Um, the trumpet player. Right. So is, Robert in the Tijuana Brass. Okay, but he's not the the Herb the Herb Albert or Herb Albert that I would have known, right? Yes, he is. He is. Okay, that was so cool. I wasn't sure. Yes, and they uh, he's part owner of A and M Records. You know, Albert and Moss A and M, which had so many hits. You know in the mid 60s 70s and so forth so he and Lou Adler uh, were partners Lou Adler who uh, uh, handled and recorded and owned the record company for Tapestry by Carol King anyway Herb Albert and Lou Adler were partners and they handled us the Safaris and Jan and Dean okay and uh so I had played, uh, I sang the song for Herb, Image of a Girl, and I said, oh, it's okay. And uh, then we went to another company, and it became a hit, and Herb said to me, hey, Marv, why didn't you bring that song to me? It's a great song. I said, I did. He said, you did? <laughs> and he said, well, let me give you this advice. You're a great songwriter, but let somebody else sing your songs. <laughs> but I'm not a lead singer. I just harmonize in the background. So anyway, it's kind of a fun fun thing to share with you. That's so cool. Um, so I have a song in queue. So it says, Four Steps to Love. Is that one of yours? Yes, and that's the B-side of Image of a Girl. And in fact... Uh, in some areas of the country, they flip the song over and Four Steps to Love hit number one in several other markets. So the record company wished that they had separated it. But here is Four Steps to Love, the B-side of Image of a Girl, and one of our attempts at a fast song. Okay. So here it is. Here it is.
Wow, I love that. That's so cool. A little fast and so cool, right? Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So, let me ask you about this song. Girl with the story in her eyes. Yeah, and I explained when we were talking about Summer Nights that this song was written by uh, Bob Roberts, who wrote Tall Paul for Annette. Oh. And a couple of Elvis songs. Oh. And the record company, they insisted that this be our second record. And like I said, leaving for tour, we had to learn the song like within an hour and record it. And uh, it had like over a hundred hits of the week on various stations across the country. But it really didn't do anything uh, as far as sales and image. I think it reached in 81 or something on the billboard charts but anyway uh, everybody thought this was going to be a big hit so it's Girl With A Story In Her Eyes written by Bob Roberts and it's a safari doing something other than a ballad he can so uh, that's okay. it let's hear it okay every time I see her face when I'm in the marketplace she never laughs she never story in her eyes. Someone hurt her, I'm so sure. Oh, the pain she must endure. She can't hide it though she tries. With the story in her eyes. Very cool. So, so at ten years old, you had a dream of becoming a rock star. True. So, was it a virtual dream, or (laughs) tell us about that? Well, what really started it was my father uh, was an insurance agent and took me along to meet this client who was a songwriter. And when I met him, his name was Jack Rollins, and he had written. Peter Cottontail and uh, the song Peter Cottontail, 
and Smokey the Bear. And uh, I, I was so impressed with, uh, you know, meeting him and, and songwriting, and he, he gave me advice and so forth. And right then and then, right then and there, I knew I wanted to be a songwriter. And that was really the inspiration that started it all. Okay, so I have Image of a Girl now back in queue. So, Image of a Girl, guys, because I cannot wait to play it. Thank you. Here it is. As I awake, resting from the day, I can hear the clock passing time away. Oh, I couldn't sleep for on my mind. Was the image of the girl I hope to find Whoa. I look straight up at the ceiling above Thinking of the girl whom I will love Oh, it be soon when she Now I can sleep tonight knowing we played this song for this interview. Are you kidding me? You know, this this song uh, received a gold record in 1960, right? Okay. And it's, of course, on the wall in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was born in 61. Now think about this song impacting me. I was born a year after it was a hit. Right? Yes, you're showing my age. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm I'm showing how great it was. I'm showing you that my daughter is 39 years old. And when I told her that I was going to be interviewing you, and I said, Tiffany, I'm not sure if you really know the song, Image of a Girl. She goes, Mother, yes, I do. Everyone does. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
so, uh, so sweet. I mean, think about that. Think about the impact that this song has made on everyone. Yeah, that warms my heart. You know, uh, it really does. Uh, that you can have so many people, you know, really enjoy something you create. And uh, that's the most rewarding thing to me. Uh, and what an honor. Uh, you know, when you hear somebody else, for example, do your song, you know, cover it. And uh, that they took the time to take your song and do their interpretation on it. It's, uh, to me, uh, it's so moving to uh, be able to, to write something that has such appeal to so many people. So, Marv, let me ask you something. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple things. Um, but the first one is this. So, you know, I'm an Elvis fan. And I don't really know uh-huh. too many people who weren't. Um, what did you think of Elvis? Oh, I thought he was just fantastic. I even went to one of his concerts out here at the beginning of his career. You're kidding. (laughs) Did you get to meet him? No, I I actually met him once uh, in uh, an office with uh, uh, who was our manager at the time during transition, but I did get to just you know, meet him for a second, you know, be introduced to him. But, you know, from what I'm talking to other people and uh, maybe knew a a girl who dated him and, uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, one in a million, somebody like that just doesn't come along, you know, very often. And I don't think anyone is going to be able to match him. Well, that's how I feel, of course. Um, Absolutely. You know, I still have the ticket. I never made it to his concert. I was 16 when he passed away, but I still have the ticket framed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, I want to talk about some things I was reading here that you had sent me. And you were talking about how fights were constant. And and a lot of teens carried razor blades. Um, (laughs) You know, but there's a reason I want to talk about that. Um because you talk about the girl with the story in her eyes, you know, um, the second Safari single. And right. you said Sheldon was so terrified that he bought a gun. Right. And there's a reason I want to talk about that. So I've interviewed a lot of um, singers and, and entertainers, you know, um, from the 50s and the 60s, and um, Al Contrera from the Mystics, you know, and it seems like you guys all share a similar story about all that. You know? Well, yes. Uh, you know, of course, uh, it depends where you're performing. I mean, uh, I know that Frankie uh, Lyman used to be on the uh, uh, circuit, and there was a city in the east where they would, you know, throw things at him. Right. You know, it was the, the, you know, the audience. And, uh, you know, with us, there was a, a particular uh, venue in the bad part of Los Angeles where uh, the girls, you know, when they wore beehives in those days, would put razor blades in their hair and fights would break out and, you know, there'd be blood all over the place. And a lot of the places were very, very scary. Uh, And why some of these uh, things so violently happen, I think a lot of it has to do with the area where 
wow. Yeah, you know, like, where did that come from? You know, so, yes, uh, and I'm sure all the artists who you've uh, had, uh, talked to can share so many other moments. And uh, some of the crowds, you know, they vary. And uh, a lot of uh, guys sometimes are very jealous when they see their, their girlfriend admiring, uh, you know, a singing artist or something like that. And that, you know, kind of could infuriate them. So there's, there's so many different things involved and more sociologically, I'd say, with uh, why there's so much uh, of that. Back then, more than now, uh, of course, it's a whole different world now. So, <laughs> so anyway, it, it's an experience that I'm sure most uh, of us artists can compare notes with. Yeah, because, you know, and even like the stories with the mob being so involved in the music industry back then. Um, oh, yes. You know, and, you know, again, I mean... I was born in 61, and the reason I say that is because I was, I'm still in love with all this music. I was in love with it growing up, you know? But you heard it from your parents, right? Um, of course, but I loved it more than they did. Like, I listened to music. <laughs> My dad was from Italy, so they liked music, but they didn't really listen to it. But, I mean, I remember, you know, being in the car with them and saying, Mommy, I want to hear, you know, the oldies, you know? <laughs> And I grew up listening to 98.1, the oldies, like, I, you know, and Elvis, that's all I listened to. So you never really took to the 70s and 80s music? I took to it to dance. Like, we would go out dancing uh, uh, three times a week, you know, um, and I, I used to love it to dance to. So I knew all the music, I knew all the groups. Well, one, of the, one of the real uh, reasons, I think, why that music kind of never dies it's because it was very simple back then. It was, uh, you know, the, the words, for example, the first thing was that there was romance, uh, and all the songs was either, you know, I love you, baby, or uh, come back to me, or you broke my heart, whatever. But it was very simple, and uh, the chord progressions and everything, you know, and, and you could dance to it romantically and bring, you know, people together dancing. So there's something magical, I think, of its simplicity right. and the way life was back then compared to what's going on now. So it's so funny. Um, Stevie D's on and... Um and Steve, you know, of course, is in the queue. They want you to talk about your baseball, which I want you to do. But I want to say something before we get into baseball, before I forget, because okay. I will forget. So okay. you talk about, like, the simplicity back then versus today. And and I agree, so much of it. But then we talk about the violence. So it's kind of all, like, I think I think back to when I was younger and never knew any of that went on. Do you know what I mean? And now when I hear all this stuff, I'm thinking, well, was it really safe? <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially well, if you were of color. Wasn't. Don't forget that the, the way doo-wop came about, you know, is that uh, the, uh, kids would get together in, with other kids in their neighborhood. Right. Uh, you know, primarily to get girls and stuff, but, you know, and to sing the music on street corners and so right. forth. And then there would be rival uh, groups at the next block, you know, and they had their group. And look at West Side Story, you know, right. the gangs and, yes. and so forth and so on. So there was a lot of uh, uh, jealousy, competition, and, uh, you know, so 
that's always going to exist in society, but uh, it, it was uh, centered around music because there wasn't that much going on compared to all the things that are going on now. You know, you go to nightclubs and so much more things to do. So I think it just, you know, heightened um, uh, our needs of anger and all these other things, all centered around uh, music and, uh, you know, the neighborhood and, 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 and how people react to each other. So, you know, it's, it's something that really is a really interesting topic to try to explore even further. But, um, wow. Wow, you know, uh, Duop Angel says you do a great interview, and she's right because the way you're answering my questions is unbelievable to me. You're you're allowing me to have a little bit of a different perspective on my thoughts now because what you just said was profound. You said music was the big thing back then, and right. you're right. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. So. Oh, my pleasure. And, and also, race was a big yes. thing involved, which raised a lot of anger as well. Yes. You know, thanks to Alan Tree, who, you know, finally brought uh, things together to a large degree. But that's another program. That's another program. <laughs> and, you know, the majority of, you know, black singers really brought it home, baby. And, you oh, know, yeah. we need to thank them. So it's amazing, right? They, it was okay for them yeah. to listen to the music. Yeah, people listen to the white versions, like you know Pat Boone, Tootie right. Tree, and and uh, the Diamonds, and so forth. And several of those people said, you know, they never heard the black version. And, and years later, when they heard the black version, they said, "Oh my God, this is ten times better." See that? Uh, you know, I wish I had heard it back then. See that? So uh, you know that is. Uh, the racial aspect has also been uh, a big part, along with the uh, explanation for a lot of the anger with right. gangs and so forth and so on. So, wow. anyway, it's an interesting topic. Yes, it is. I want to just put this out there. So, I, when I was in my twenties, um, Chuck, uh-huh. um, when I was in my chair, uh, when I was in my twenties, okay, uh-huh. um, they did a benefit in my uh, town. Chubby Checker came and did this. And he came out in the audience and actually picked me up with his two bodyguards and put me on the stage and we did the twist together. I got to meet him a month ago um, at one of the concerts um, and I went backstage and stalked him. And it was great. I got a picture with him. I got hugs with him. It was really awesome. So I just had to, I just had to tell you that. At Dodger Stadium a long time ago. Oh, cool. But you know, the thing, you, you know, which is another topic, but the difference between what goes on on the East Coast in Jersey and in New York versus California, there's hardly any doo-wop out here. Zilch. Oh. But back then, all the artists are, you know, working all the time. And uh, the, the difference is just fantastic. I think one of the big reasons is that in California, we're all spread out. Oh. You know, we don't have rapid transit and all that. And But in New York, you know, you can get on a train and, and uh, you know, the states are not that far apart. And uh, people can really get together and, and enjoy the music by going to live shows. Whereas out here, we hardly have anything. Wow. So, okay, I think they want you to talk a little bit about baseball now. Oh, okay. Well, I loved, you know, baseball all my life. When I was a young kid and... Uh, Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, 
after my record hit, I was in you know my last year of high school, and um, I was scouted and offered uh, a uh, minor league contract with the Boston Red Sox. And I didn't know what to do because here I, my record just took off and I had to really choose between music or baseball. Okay. Unfortunately, I say that because uh, uh, monetarily, okay. <laughs> the way we got paid back then was very little, but uh, I chose the music and so, uh, but it was just interesting that I had the choice between the two and ever since then I had been a Red Sox fan. So that's really cool. Um, so I'm going to just put this out there. My guest that I just interviewed right before you, her father, I think, had an offer from the Red Sox. I believe it was the Red Sox. And he chose God. He became a pastor. And we just talked about this. And I asked her, I said, did, did he ever have any regrets? And he said, no. This is so funny. You're just saying this. Wow. <laughs> well, I think God, God would have a, a much bigger chance than just me choosing and turning away from baseball. That's but beautiful. That's really nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he was able oh, to do that. That's so cool. You just said, oh, wow, that's interesting. All right, so um, other than the monetary, I mean, I mean, do you really have regrets, though, that you didn't do that? Well, you know, like in the music business, the, the traveling and, and a lot of the type of people that are in the business and with the drugs and liquor and stuff, which is not me. And uh, I just became more interested. I would rather be behind the scenes and produce and write okay. than, you know, uh, be on stage and, 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 you know, putting up with all the traveling. We go on a six-day tour and on a bus. And we'd have to sleep on the bus and travel all night to the next show, do a show, get back on the bus. I mean, it was very rough back then. Uh, Whereas now, you know, they fly and you stay in fancy hotels and all this (laughs) kind of stuff. So, you know, I just really had a dream. I reached it. And my mother, may she rest in peace, uh, got to see me at a show out here at the Hollywood Bowl. And... uh, to me, because I used to fantasize about, you know, uh, my parents coming into the audience and, you know, uh, would be so proud and so forth and so on. And, and before she went in the hospital, the doctor, where she ended up passing, uh, the doctors allowed her to come to the show. And when we went out on stage that, that uh, night, uh, to me, it was my dream had been fulfilled. You know, it satisfied me so deeply inside. And uh, then I decided, you know, to kind of give up the group and uh, go back to college and, uh, uh, you know, get my doctorate. So Beautiful. Anyway. That's beautiful. You know, but I could see you like, you know, the singing catcher. Okay, the, sh- the singing shortstop. Um, okay, there you go. There you go. So I have a question. Legion of the Lost, is that one of your songs? I'm making sure before I play these. No. Okay. Uh, in fact, that's not even the safari. That's uh, our lead singer who did a uh, thing on his own, so I don't even know who's on Okay, because it's saying safaris here. Okay, so let's... Now, um... Hmm... 
Wow. I don't really know what else. All right, so Touch of Love, did we play that one? Well, that was the first record right. I ever had. Uh, okay. With a girl lead singer, Sandy Wiseman, okay. and Richard Klasky, it was as far as in me, just the three of us. Okay. And uh, this was our first record. It was a hit on the West Coast, Northern California. But uh, anyway, it's a memory because that was the first relief I ever had. All right, so let's play this. Touch of okay. Love. Here we go. so pretty this music just brings me back so I want to ask you about something kind of funny I mean I'm sure it wasn't funny then but there was a show in Santa Barbara and no one showed up Everyone showed up in the wrong city. Did they? Did you ever find out about that? Oh, yeah. How many screaming we, we fans? There, but, but there weren't any <laughs> ticket buyers because Wait. nobody knew that it was going to be there. Oh no! So that was that was funny. Oh my goodness! So all right. So now, Soldier of Fortune. Yes. 
Safaris? Safaris. Okay. I wrote it. And, um, I don't know, uh, 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 Steve's wife, Barbie. Angel, yes, Angel. She loves this song, but, uh, <laughs> But wait, I want to ask you about this first. So you wrote this. Yes. So what was your inspiration for this, Soldier of Fortune? Oh, it's about somebody, you know, really uh, looking for his image of a girl. Oh. (laughs) You know, it always seems to have the same Uh dream. You know, I kind of, uh, it seems to have been the theme all my life and uh, just a, a quick note in here. Uh, in the 90s, our lead singer was getting married, and I wrote this song. Uh, I'm sure you have it, but you don't have to play it. But it was called My Image of a Girl is You, where in the song, and I wrote it for their wedding, is that the guy who's lying in bed dreaming about his girl finds her. So he's lying in bed, and he wakes up in the middle of the night and says, oh, God, I can't believe that you're here, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I've always had seems to have seem to have written songs that have that kind of theme of, you know, looking for the right one and and love and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Okay, baby. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed the song. Alright, let's play it, baby. Okay. Soldier of the Fortune. Fortune. That's 
She loves that song. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so, on a more funnier note, okay? Do you ever funnier. get your yes? Do you ever get your ten bucks back from Bobby Darren? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, the interest is piling up. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> so, oh goodness! So, so he borrowed ten bucks from you and never paid you back. I love it. Yeah, he was hungry. He wanted to go down and get uh, a couple of hot dogs or something. He didn't have money on him. I'll pay you back at the next show. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that never happened. <laughs> so I have a question. So, sure. so you're a psychologist, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So do you use music for patients? Well, I developed a new technique where I, I use music for okay. patients, yes. Not in the typical music therapy where they, you know, want you to play a drum or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I developed a, a new technique that speeds up the process by using music within the individual psychotherapy session. And I'm really excited about it because uh, my research has shown that it really speeds up the process. But again, that's another program. <laughs> Wow, that is a program I need to interview you about. Because I'm a nutritional health coach. I'm also a recovery coach. Um, Yes. So that's why I'm interested in this. Um, Yeah, that would be... Yes. I could have a real real good talk about that. Okay. So we're we're going to have to do that, an interview about that, because that could absolutely help a lot of people that I work with as well. Yeah, I don't feel music has been utilized in terms of a value of getting to know a person better or relieving, you know, uh, a lot of things. Oh, it's just, don't get me started. <laughs> I love yep. it too. Yeah, you know, my entire life, I... Um, if I ever had a sad day or if someone passed away, you know, we all go through those days, you know, I would, sure. I have a CD, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's called Feathered Light, okay, and it's just music, uh-huh. it's just music, a compilation of different musical songs, and oh, yeah. it just soothes like you, music. Yeah, it calms you, calms you and soothes you, and it's absolutely beautiful, and I've been playing that for about 30 years, absolutely, wow. yes, so I, I'm into all that. But yeah, we, we absolutely have to have an interview about that, Marv. That would be wonderful because I've done a lot of research on all of that. Okay. So we can compare notes. We will compare notes. So now I have a question for you. Um, I have okay. a song here in queue. Um, let's see. 
his brush with delight he knows this comes only once in a lifetime his greatest work of them all will have them calling out they seem to beckon him lost in his dream the image faded from sight having tried to recapture that moment he shook his head and he said it wasn't meant to be it's just like you and me symphony like words without melody a dream that stays the fantasy how would we have ever known if love could have ever grown or oh, please let it be I'll finish loving you and you finish loving me a song is born in the night its father cries with delight knowing now all the joys of completeness it takes work to succeed it's not an easy thing it's just like you and me our unfinished symphony like words without melody a dream that stays a fantasy how would we have ever known if love could have ever grown oh please let it be I'll finish loving you and you finish loving me loving me our unfinished symphony like words without melody a dream that stays all fantasy how would we have If love could have ever grown Oh please Let it be I'll 
I have a question. Is this about a girl, too? <laughs> yeah, but the, the idea was, uh, you know, people, you know, when relationships start, you go through that honeymoon period, and then a lot of guys just move on to somebody else, you know, and everybody right. just lives in the honeymoon period. But what about getting to really know that person? It could be the greatest thing ever, so finish loving right. instead of just you know the you know the the beginning of a relationship anyway uh, we were in a recording studio doing some recording and one of the machines broke so while they were fixing it I was teaching the lead singer of the safaris uh, Jimmy Stevens this song so I said uh, while we're waiting why don't you see if you remember it why don't you go to the microphone and uh, and with the piano player I had uh, who's working with us uh, went to the piano and Jim just sang this by himself to the piano, and uh, I thought it was really moving. Everybody was just so quiet in the recording booth. So uh, it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Absolutely beautiful. So what we're going to do is this. I'm going to play another song. Hopefully this is good. Um, (laughs) So, And I'll ask you about it. Then I'm going to have you say whatever else you'd like to say. And then when we close the show, I'm going to play Image of a Girl again. I have to. And that's how we'll close, okay? But what I would like to do is play... Now, let me ask you about this song. So, um, let's see. Cafe Bohemian, is that yours? Yeah, but that was the which was Touch of Love, which we played earlier. So this is uh, Richard and myself of the Safaris and uh, the girls, uh, Sandy Wiseman, singing. Okay. And so it's on the other side. And, and this was the, the bigger hit on the uh, West Coast here. Okay. So uh, if you want to play that one, that's Let's fine. play it. Cafe Bohemian. Beautiful. Okay.
That's so cool. <laughs> that was so good. Know, but, uh, yeah, so good. Cool. to it, and the record company took it out wanted to make it more eerie. Okay. So, uh, so cool, anyway. though. So, Marv, I want to thank you, first of all, for allowing me and giving me the honor of interviewing you. Um, well, it was an honor to, to be on your show, and I thank you for inviting me. Just amazing, just amazing. Um, this isn't over. We're going to plan some more. We're going to do different interviews. Um, I think you're incredible, and I understand that you're teaching a course on do up at the UCLA, which is so cool. Yes. So cool. Thank you. It just ended, but uh, it's going on again in the summer. So <laughs> so cool. So you, um, if there's anything you'd like to say, you have your opportunity now, and then um, well, I just want to say yeah. that. You know, uh, we love doo-wop and the music, you know, that that reached our hearts. And, you know, time goes on, and I just hope that uh, doo-wop doesn't die, like, you know, the big bands and so forth, and that we will always remember and love the the music that we love, doo-wop and all that, and that we always will attach it to memories, and uh, we will not give up that and just continue to listen and even show our kids and share with them the music of our time so that it lives and goes on. So I thank you and all your listeners uh, for carrying on the music, and I thank you. Well, I thank you. Thank you so much. This was incredible. Um, I want to. I want to thank everyone out there for listening to this, um, and I want to thank Angel and Steve for allowing me on your Remember Then Radio. How cool is this? All right, guys. So we're going to close the show with the same song that I tried to start with. <laughs> but listen, one of my favorite songs of all time. I mean, who didn't love this song? Okay, Image of a Girl. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. As Passing time